Hey, everybody, and welcome back. I'm here with Hutch in the Hannah C. Howard Recording Studio. Jackson, it's good to be back. Oh, good to be together. It is good to be back. And I'm super excited today. Are you super excited today? I'm very excited, Jackson. I'm very excited. And you may be excited for the same reason as me. I don't really know, but I'll tell you why I'm excited. Why are you excited, Jackson? I want to know. I am so excited today because we are joined by one of my favorite people ever. She is the most musical softball player you will ever meet. That's true. That's yeah. Yes. Confirmed. She's, she's an author and she's the most famous person that I know. And yes, either of us know. That is right. We are joined by the esteemed Hannah C. Howard. Hannah, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. I also just want to point out that for purposes of the studio, it's Hannah C. Howard, but for purposes of life, it might be Hannah C. Hutchinson because she is my wife. That's right. You are, <laughs> married. We are married. Just that's For anyone that's true. listening in that's confused by that. Yeah. But there is also a reason that for purposes of our conversation, yeah. it's Hannah C. Howard. That's true. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because Hannah and you, Dan have a lot you guys have a lot going on in your life but specifically hannah you've yeah. got a lot that's about to it's probably already happening but yeah. it's about to happen why don't you tell us a little bit a little bit about what's going on yeah uh well i am publishing my debut novel Woo-hoo! in august so it releases on august 18th and uh, i'm just really excited about it because it's been a really long journey to get there um i also have a we also have a newborn son, so that's the other uh, crazy thing that's happening right now. Uh, I, we're also in a pandemic, so all the crazy. Yeah, that's a lot a going on. Crazy, a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have this debut novel that's coming out, which is really exciting. Why don't you tell us what what's it called? Yeah, so it's called Ignite the Sun. And it's a uh, young adult fantasy. So that would be teen. Um, probably the age target range would be 12 to 18, which is kind of a big range. But uh, depending on your interests and your reading level, that sort of thing. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, young adult fantasy. And it's about um, a girl who lives in a world that for her whole life has um, been in darkness. So she's never seen the sun. Um, and she kind of finds out, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but through the, the first chunk of the book, she finds out that she um, is uh, she belongs to this species that has sort of sun power. Um, so she has these dormant powers that she doesn't know about um, that are linked to the sun that she's never seen. And um, the book is kind of follows her um, figuring out who she is and also trying to bring back the light to this kingdom that's dark. So. Well, I have to say, I've been privileged to read just a smidge of it, and it is excellent. It Thank is. Thank you. I love how uh, the pace of the book too. Thanks. It like grips you and goes, Thanks. and I like that. I um well, young adult fiction. I all I actually haven't read any young adult nonfiction, so I don't know what what uh the case is there. But if you're a young reader, you probably know that reading has the risk of being boring um, to you. And so if you're writing for younger readers, the one thing you can't afford to do is let them get bored. And so um, in my opinion and in my experience, 
uh, writing YA requires you to keep things really trim. And so um, a lot of my struggle as a writer is cutting out words. Um, but That's my struggle as a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard struggle. Hashtag pastor life too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I think you do a great job of yeah. that because you Thanks. don't you don't get bored. It's just Thanks. like it's off and it, it's going and um, it keeps you on your toes and you want to. I, I had a digital copy on my phone, so I was scrolling. <laughs> yep. So it wasn't page turning yet. Yep. Um, but Thank yeah, it's, it's a real gripper. Thanks. I like it. Yeah. Thanks. So what was sort of the inspiration for this story, this book? I know it's close to your heart. Yeah. Something you've been working on for a while, but how did this book come to be? Yeah. Uh, well, as I mentioned, it was a really long process. Um, and uh, all told, it's been just about 10 years since I first drafted the book. Um, and uh, it was born um, in a time of my life when I was experiencing my first bout, really, of uh, anxiety and depression and seasonal affective disorder, um, which, if you don't know what SAD is, it's it's uh, kind of the anxiety and depression that can be linked to winter time or um, you know, short days, dark days. And, um, a lot of maybe not the initial inspiration for the book, but the actual growth of the book was really like my way of dealing with my deep seated desire to, um, be free of those sort of, um, mental darknesses. Um, but also the physical, um, darkness around me in that, in that winter. Um, I've, I've never wanted springtime more than that year of, or than that, um, January, February. And by the way, January is actually the worst month. Um, winter, winter lasts longer than that, but after, after Christmas is over and spring is still a long way off and the world, at least in Oklahoma is gray and dreary it's just rough. And so that, that January was the worst January of my life. Um, but I wrote this book during that January. And so, um, a lot of, a lot of the bones of the story are my, um, grappling with that experience and trying to kind of translate it or deal with it on the page. So that, that's why it's as close to my heart as it is. probably. So, have you always been a writer? Like, when did you know mm. that you wanted to write or tell stories? Well, um, the first time that I had ever considered the idea was actually fourth grade. Um, we had in my classroom a book making station. Um, I, cool. yeah, it was really cool. I was in Miss Wood's class at Jinx Southeast and she had a table with uh, rubber cement and, um, really cool, like thick paper for making covers and a laminator and all these cool things. And I was obsessed with that station. Um, I was also obsessed with dogs. And so all of my books were about dogs. Um, but at the end of the year, Mrs. Wood said to me, I think you should consider being a writer when you grow up. And I was like, no, that's lame. Who would want to do that? Because, you know, I had visions of doing something with animals. So I kind of dismissed that as you do when you're in fourth grade and someone says something that you don't really think is cool. And then in 10th grade, um, I was talking to my best friend about, um, the stories that I would tell myself at night when I was falling asleep because I would just entertain myself with storytelling while I was 
falling asleep. And she was like, have you, have you ever considered writing them down? And I was like, no, why would, why would I do that? She was like, well, that's like, that would be kind of cool if you did that. Um, and I think I thought writing books is a really like big and unobtainable thing that, that only people who are really, I don't know, old and mature do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and she bought me for my birthday that year, she bought me, um, a big hardback blank journal and said, um, I, I want you to use this to write down your stories. Um, so really I, I should, I should credit Emily for, uh, the initial, uh, foray into writing, but that was when I started writing more seriously. Um, and I wrote all through the rest of high school. And then in college, I decided to major in creative writing and English in order to pursue that a little more fully. So very cool. So have you ventured back to any of those stories that you wrote in that hardback <laughs> journal? Oh, they were terrible. But I don't, yeah, I, I've looked at it from time to time. They're terrible, though. Is there any good inspiration in there? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I shudder sometimes to look back at my initial ideas and storytelling because, I mean, you have to practice being bad before you can learn to be better. So, ooh, life lesson. Yeah. Life lesson. Yeah. Except just being bad at stuff when you start out. Not very many people are geniuses at the beginning. It's good. That is good. Yeah. So, if I may, let's take a step back yeah. and tell us a little bit more about you. Oh, wow. Who are you? Oh my. Hannah C. Howard Hutchinson, <laughs> whoever you are. I'm I don't know who I do know who I am. Um I'm a I'm a child of God. I'm a uh, story lover, storyteller. I am now a wife and a mother, which is weird, um, but cool. I am a nerd, deeply nerdy. Um, I feel like I'm just using, you know, titles to describe myself. That's okay. That's like how people have described themselves. That's Going true. all the way back yeah. to Lancelot <laughs> and you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if my husband has a better way of describing me than <laughs> yeah, I do. All, those are all good, honey. <laughs> uh, Passionate. Yeah. And I have deep opinions. You care a lot about people. Empathetic. Thanks. Yeah. Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles? Ninja Turtles. Yeah. yeah I, have a, I have a tough question. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Ooh. That's an unanswerable question. Oh. <sighs> I um, sorry that was that was cruel of me. It is to cruel. Ask. It is cruel. <sighs> I can't choose. I I have read Harry Potter more times. I'm I think because I love Jim Dale's narration, and so mm, I listen so to, good. yeah, so good. I listen to those books a lot while I paint. I guess that's another title I claim for myself. I'm a mug painter. Tell us a little bit about that. What yeah. do you mean you're a mug painter? Yeah. Uh, and the mug wumps. <laughs> I have mug like wumps. Faces? See Harry Potter. Mugs? What? Like someone's mug faces? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mug shots. No. no. I don't actually paint people's faces uh, because that's really difficult. Um, I paint coffee cups because, yeah, and in this You, you can't studio, see, but we're holding up our, our <laughs> coffee cups. Yep. Yes. It's true. I didn't even ask them to bring them. And they're just being that supportive. They're just very cool. Yeah. Thanks. They are very cool. Out of a cool mug. Yeah. So that's why I started doing it because the mugs I had were boring in college. And um, I felt like they could, I could do, not I could do better, like I could make better, but 
my mugs, my mug supply could be better. And so um, I had these paint pens that my dad had thought he might use for his business and then discarded and um, well given to me. And I thought, well, I have a lot of quotes that I like. I'm an English major. I'll paint some of them on a mug. And um, I did it and I liked it. And it snowballed from there with gifts and things like that. So uh, I sell them on Etsy. Uh, it's a long name, Ophelia's Gypsy Caravan. You can look up quote mugs on Google and probably um, that will come up, especially if you plug in the name Ophelia. Yeah, they usually have a nerdy or a literary quote and a design that I paint. And somehow I've been able to make a bit of a living doing that. Yeah, and they're really cool. Um, there's lots of different quotes that are out there. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big fan. Uh, I have several. Um but you can also get Ignite the Sun swag, That's right? true. Yeah. So I'm selling um, a kind of exclusive swag pack on Etsy. Um, it, it will come with a signed book when the book comes out. So none of it will be mailed to you before the book comes out. But signed book, um, an exclusive um, printed mug that I, I uh, watercolor painted the design for and, and print those by hand. And then... <laughs> sunglasses and a oh. book light both of those are thematically relevant and they have a little quote from the book on them and a bookmark and a book plate so yeah you can find all of those things in one pack on my etsy shop that's awesome <laughs> i i still need to order my swag pack although i was disappointed that the pink interior was already sold out yeah the pink interior mug because maybe i th- need to order more of hey, those i'd buy one so I want to hear a little bit about your thoughts on story. You are a writer. You've been writing for a long time. You studied stories and writing in college. And I know that story, and the idea of story is very close to your heart as well. So um, however you want to dig into that, but mm-hmm. what, what do stories mean to you? Why are they important? Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, um, yeah, that's, that's a, a deep well, I think. Um, and I'll just touch on a little bit of that. I think for me, stories, and I'll, I'll say specifically kind of fairy tale and fantasy are, um, a kind of translation filter for me, um, to make sense of reality. And so I know, I know that everyone has a different one of those. I would, I would guess, I would say. And, uh, for me, storytelling has always been, or, or not even storytelling, but stories have been my step back from reality to make sense of it. And so I think for me, there are various tiers, maybe. Um, there are the stories that don't make much impact on my heart. Um, and then you go all the way up to stories like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter uh, that are in some ways like an echo back of what I already feel and know and believe. Um it's like it's magic. It's like some kind of alchemy. When you when you read a story like that 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 does have heart ties to you, it it not only tells you something about yourself, but it also teaches you new things about the universe and and um, being a person, how to understand the people around you, how to understand the world that you live in. So I think that's one of the main things that story has always done for me is help me to understand what this strange world is that I'm living in and and who I am in it. Yeah, I've always found that to be true with uh, stories as well, whether it be through 
a novel or it be through song or it be through even movies, which I think are less so Mm -hmm. just because some of your imagination has been taken away from you and some of your interpretation or your Mm -hmm. ability to dive deep into those things. They're being very overtly given to you on the screen. Yeah. Whereas it's music and uh, the written word Mm kind of lets you process things that are going on in the world that may be true, may be difficult things that writing it bluntly in a nonfiction way wouldn't be helpful to anyone. Absolutely. It would be really either too morbid Mm -hmm. or it would be Mm -hmm. uh, put people off too much Mm -hmm. or it would be kind of incendiary and just trigger people. But fantasy is always fantasy and fiction Mm -hmm. has always been a way to uh, for me to be able to kind of look at society look at the the things in myself the things in society that I don't like or maybe help Mm -hmm. me check a blind spot that I have yeah um, and be able to process that in a way that's Mm -hmm. entertaining and palatable as Mm -hmm. well right yeah and I do think like what you were saying about heavy things I think sometimes if in a nonfiction or um, just just a real life setting talking about those things um, can almost not make it worse but but they're just as hard to grapple with as as what you already feel is hard going on inside of you mm-hmm. and I think and maybe this is the empathy piece of um, stories and especially stories that are um, written down and not on the screen but when you when you have the freedom, I'll say not when you're forced to, but when you have the freedom to really step out of yourself and step into someone else, um, and experience, uh, either a similar thing to what you're experiencing or something you've never even come close to encountering before. Uh, it gives you new tools to come back into yourself and then deal with, uh, what, what you have going on. Um, and I, I don't think, I think you're right. I think that the, the necessary imaginative piece to reading or um, listening to music as opposed to viewing something on the screen um, does that more effectively, I think, than, um, and I love movies and TV, so I'm not bashing on them at all, but I think it's a little different. I was thinking as you both were talking, in some ways being a reader almost invites you into sort of a co-creative act Mm. with the with the author yeah, because they've written the story, they've offered descriptions, but you are still sort of creating that world in your own mind and mm-hmm. you're stepping into it almost as a participant. And in so far as it moves from words to your ideas, yeah. you're, you're continuing that act of creation. Yeah. Whereas when it's all on the screen, you're, you're almost just an observer. You're still yeah. standing removed from it in some way, but the act of reading actually brings you into the world, mm-hmm. which feel like there's some theology we could get into there but uh but i think i, I love that yeah i think there is something something different about reading yeah S- so kind of this act of kind of a co-creatorship with the reader yeah how do you feel about that as an author because mm-hmm. could somebody imagine a world or a character or a mm-hmm. piece that yeah. is not actually Good. who yeah. you put in there hmm. yeah but i think that's what's beautiful about it um i one of the things that 
Um, <laughs> if you know much about the relationship between C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, you know that one of the things that they argued about was allegory and whether um, allegory is um, good or necessary as uh, in, in writing and in storytelling. And Lewis, of course, we know that he wrote the Narnia books, which are very allegorical. Um, and he wanted, he wanted to convey um, some one-on-one sort of symbolism and comparison. Tolkien wrote with a whole lot of his faith in forming what he wrote, but he didn't want the straightforward, cut-and-dry, um, one-for-one events or characters. And I, I side more with Tolkien, and I think that one of the, the things about that co-creator uh, relationship is that um, you can come in as a reader and um, bring something that I would never have had um, and that I couldn't have given you by myself. Um, and I think that, that that's where the the world of the book can shift and, and sort of morph. Um, but I think what the author does is create a framework that doesn't change. And so, you know, there are things that you'll read in, in any given book that it doesn't matter, you know, what you bring to the table as a reader, those things are still going to be the same. Um, and they're still going to be kind of, um, it's sort of, I think, kind of like um, imagining yourself in a city and there are like definite buildings around you. Um, but then there's a lot of things that aren't given to you, you know, like what you smell and what you hear and maybe the, the color of the sky or the um, you know, sort of, um, look of the air, you know, is it, is it foggy? Is it not? Um, and, and so you're given sort of a basic structure, but then you as the reader come and bring everything else in. And I think that, that allows for variations without changing the whole thing. And I think that that's what the, the co-creator relationship does. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can change stuff, but you can't change the whole thing. Um, which I think is really cool. I don't know. Have you guys like experienced that. that before? Do you feel like that's true? I think, well, I just think about when you, when you read a book, you know, we can read, all three of us can read the same book and we'll all have mm -hmm. even something as simple as a, as a different favorite character. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll see different characters as being more or less important. There'll yeah. be different themes. We that did that with wheel of time. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. We did that with, with wheel of time and, and there'll be different themes that you might notice mm -hmm. or that this, this bothered you. This didn't bother me. Yeah. This, you know, this character's reaction to this event resonated with you or spoke to you. I just glossed over it because, um, of, so I, th I think that is, mm -hmm. we, we do. I, I love that. And I think the idea of even yeah, when you're in a city, I might smell a hot dog and you might smell a donut. I'm yeah. just thinking about like New York or something like that. Yeah. You know, just because of maybe what we want, yeah. what we're hungry yeah. for, whatever it is. <laughs> Jackson might smell, smell a donut, donut. probably. <laughs> I think I'd smell them both. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually smell, you know, those, those like candied, candy walnuts and peanuts and stuff. Oh, huh. those just smell so good. Oh my gosh, yeah. they're so good. Yeah. They're like, they smell better than they taste. I put that's them in the true. same category yeah, with coffee. True. Yeah. Like, I that's love coffee. True. Coffee is my favorite drink, so I'm not bashing coffee, but it smells so much better than that's it tastes. True. That's true. And it tastes amazing. Yeah. That's true. And even really bad, bad coffee can still smell, smell really good. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pizza. Mm. Bad pizza still yeah. smells good. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I, is there such a thing as bad pizza? Even CeCe's is good. I know. 
Oh, yeah. Gross. <laughs> you can put that. But it's Sorry, yummy. <laughs> it may do damage later, but. <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, really, yeah. Sorry. Sorry to take us off topic, but no. But I think that even just imagining characters, I know this. I noticed that I do this a lot from like fan art. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go and I'll just yeah. look at like people's depictions of characters. Yeah. And then I'll like reread a book and I'll hear their descriptions. I'm like, that is not yeah. how I met. Like you even laid it out for yeah, me yeah. how they should look. Uh-huh. And I didn't even imagine them close <laughs> yeah. to what they look like. Yeah. Um, That's true. She's yeah. blonde in the book. But for some reason, I imagined her as a brunette. You <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. you know, she's tall in the book, but I thought that she was short yeah. or like, I don't know. There's yeah. all the sorts of those things. That's true. Which I just miss. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I'm just aloof and I want to see what I want to see, or you know, I. Well, I think other things than descriptions inform how you read characters. It's true. And I don't know. Like for example, Fred and George Weasley for me have always been tall and gangly, um, and in the book they're not. They're they're more stocky. Um, but I think to me they're kind of they're loose personalities their um uh irreverent humor to me that feels gangly it doesn't feel stocky and so you also have gangly brothers yeah that's true no that's They're tall true. and slender if yeah. you like read a character and they remind you of a real person yeah. then they kind of take on Absolutely. that person a little bit more mm-hmm. in the way that they look in your mind and and then it kind of even informs their decisions and why they make those decisions even though the author has like a yeah a point in why they're making some of those decisions that's true when i like that i think what we bring and and the ability of sort of fantasy and you've talked about to to mirror back to us something of ourselves something maybe that we see inside of us something that we're experiencing it gives us something external in which we can grapple with what's going on in, in in reality in our world and then just the idea that the the framework of the story is something that's set and something that's solid. And we, uh, the last couple of episodes, we've actually been talking about freedom mm-hmm. and how there's, when we have boundaries, when we have a framework that actually allows for yeah. more freedom within that. Um, I wonder what are, when you think about your book and your story, what would be some of those parts of the framework for you? What, mm-hmm. what are some things that you think thematically that, people will take away or that you you hope might be an encouragement or a challenge or whatever else to to people even as they bring in their own understanding and experiences yeah so obviously the the light and dark theme is the the biggest one in the book um, and it's the one that informed my writing the most Um, so I think you know light light and dark as a theme and as a structure in a story can mean different things to different people for sure. Uh, and so I hope that that is a flexible, um, hope metaphor for people. I think as I was writing a character stuck in literal darkness, trying to get her, her way back to literal light. Um, I was grappling with inner darkness and trying to get my way back to inner light. But I think, you know, I think that that darkness is a metaphor for a lot of forms of difficulty and suffering and struggle and light is a metaphor for a a lot of different kinds of um, hope and um, life really and so I my hope for the book is that it it will just be an encouragement and I mean it's releasing in a pandemic and so you know a lot Mm -hmm. of us probably feel like we're in darkness 
And I think like, and this goes back to why story is important, but it, it not only shows you how the world is and who you are and in it and all of those important things and making sense of reality, but it also can show you what you can be and what the world could mm. be. And, and it gives you, I think it gives you a hope for the future um, because it allows you to explore the pursuit of something better because every story has an arc um, and the stories that I like best are not um, not classic literature for the most part because a lot of those books are about uh, despair and um, existentialism. I love stories that end with hope um, mm. because I think that that's what all of us are looking for is is a way to move toward move toward better and move toward a life that is um, growing and and is more full of good than whatever we might be in now um, because we're not static people we're always growing as well and always changing and yeah so I, I hope that people will take away hope and um, encouragement and I think see um, in my main character's journey um, that uh, I don't know a mirror of the things that they're struggling to work through get to the end of so so Hannah, I'm curious, how has your, how has your faith informed your writing or informed the way that you even look at stories? Yeah. Well, um, maybe a big one is one that I've alluded to already. And that is the presence of hope. I think that, um, stories for me, they need hope because I need hope, but, um, they need hope because I believe in hope and, uh, the, the life that we live here, um, is, is not the end of the story. Um, I believe that there's more and I believe that hope is, hope is one of the things that communicates that in storytelling. Um, I mentioned that I'm not interested in straight up allegory, uh, as a writer because I don't, um, I don't like stories that are inaccessible to people uh, who don't believe in in God and and in the the Christian God, but I I think um, that like anything that any person does, you can't separate it from your belief system, from mm. your um, worldview, and my worldview has Jesus at the center of it, and He is hope, um, and I think that for me that is that's probably the primary kind of way that my faith informs my writing um, is that at the end of the day um, I want I want the the bottom the bottom line the last word to be that there is um, that there is better that there is hope uh, for for those of us in darkness and um, obviously as a Christian light and dark mean more than depression and health um, I guess that's flip flop, dark and light, depression and health. Um, but uh, they they also mean um, life with Christ and life without. And um, in my in my journey with anxiety and depression, uh, I think one of the ways that I was able to finally step out of that uh, was through the light of Christ. Um, I uh, I was I've been in church my whole life. And I was a believer 
at the time for sure, but I was in a, a period of questioning and doubt when uh, I first started to experience um, that depression. And what I, what, I, um, what I knew at the end of it um, was that Jesus was willing to get in it with me and sit with me Um, not that he made it go away. Um, and you know, that's a question that I'm sure I'll ask him when Mm -hmm. my life is done. Um, and maybe I don't need to ask him because I think the result was that in that darkness, I learned, um, that he wouldn't leave me. Um, and then eventually I learned that there was good that he could bring out of it and that, um, my experience would be used to, create empathy for other people who are dealing with those things. And I think, you know, that's one of the most important things that our, our darkness, um, does, or, or one of the most important ways that it ends up functioning is it gives us compassion and, um, and allows us to say to someone else, I understand what you're experiencing right now. Uh, because there's nothing worse than being in a really hard, low, dark spot and thinking, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's ever experienced this and no one will ever get it. Um, and so it's powerful to hear, I've been there. I've experienced that before. So that was a rabbit trail. But I think... Um, We're pro rabbit trail <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I figured yeah. as much. So, um, yeah, yeah. What about in the way that you view stories? Yeah. Um, Well, so Jesus taught almost exclusively by storytelling. And I I believe that we are created as storied beings. Um, We are created to live stories. We're created to um, understand by stories. Uh, We are a part of a story that's bigger than us. And so... It's really, I mean, it's no accident that humanity has forever told stories, um, whether that's, you know, uh, in in the verbal tradition, uh, whether that's written down, whether that's on the screen. Um, Humans like stories because of exactly what we were talking about earlier. They help us to understand reality. And um, I believe that, you know, um, uh, that we're a part of something bigger, uh, a story that's bigger than ourselves. And I think that, um, God created us to, um, to need stories. And I think that's why Jesus used them to teach. I think that's why, um, the Bible continues to be, and, and the, the main resource for Christians continues to be a book of stories. Um, cause that's how we function. What was the original question? Uh, you covered it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no worries. I was afraid I had digressed. We also ask long, complex questions. Yes. Dan. <laughs> no, it's really, yeah. I always, whenever I talk to someone or work with someone on leading small group discussions and asking questions, I always emphasize the importance of short, concise <laughs> questions and teacher Teach thyself, right? Yes. Right. I'm the worst. Do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what other questions have you been asked on different podcasts that we haven't covered? Uh, hmm. 
the last pod- podcast had a bunch of questions that were kind of new and interesting and i don't remember what they were because i have postpartum brain um real thing <laughs> real thing have you left anything in the refrigerator yet no but i've tried to put things in the refrigerator that, that don't go there, there. <laughs> well, <laughs> for sure you've got one up on jessica because <laughs> she likes to leave them in the refrigerator <laughs> that's funny i think actually was it the fridge or the cabinet i was trying to put the cereal box in and it like wasn't fitting and i couldn't figure yeah. out why <laughs> so maybe that's why i didn't leave it there <laughs> yeah. I yeah, wish I, I had I the excuse remember. to postpartum brain because <laughs> I I leave things everywhere. <laughs> you always and have. I'm, yeah, I mean, I just I just don't have the same excuse. Did you tell Jackson just, about the coffee pot? Yes, I yeah. saw. I was there when he found the coffee pot. We were in the middle of a conversation, and then he stopped, and his eyes got wide. And Steve and I were like, "What?" He's like, uh, nothing. Totally unrelated. I found my coffee pot, and it's on top of that shelf. Oh gosh, yes. that's. Good. I just love yeah. having you in the office, Dan, because you are the only person that is worse than me. <laughs> it, what, where does, it's just where does currently. Jim fall? It's just currently. What? I was gonna say, where does Jim fall? Actually, Jim is way worse. Outside of the, outside of the Miller clan, I'm yeah. the worst. Yeah. <laughs> But just barely. And just, I, I would say <laughs> just <laughs> recently. Yeah. 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 Huh. Since we've come back into the office. Yeah. I'm getting worse. Oh, no. That's probably yeah. partially Edmund's fault. So back to. I was going to ask a question. Oh, do you want to ask a question? Yeah. I want to ask you guys a question. Yeah, go Please. I want to know uh, what has been the most impactful story in your lives. Not Ooh. counting the Bible. Not counting. Not counting the Bible. Yeah. Man, this is one of those like campfire questions. I know, right? Impactful or favorite? Either. I'd say the most impactful one was Siddhartha hmm. by Herman Hesse. Yes. Yeah. Hess. I don't, I don't know, know how you say his last name, but I don't know either. It one it was impactful because my dad gave it to me. Yeah. So it was like, here, you should read this. Hmm. And he gave it to me at a point in my life that anything that my dad did or suggested I wasn't going to do yeah and Mm. so um but I ended up reading it and I don't know if you've ever read it yeah but it I think that there's just so much truth in it and Mm -hmm. it was uh kind of like what we've been saying I could really identify not necessarily with the experiences of the character Mm -hmm. but I could identify with the journey that he was on yeah. in trying to find fulfillment and enlightenment mm-hmm. in all sorts of different places. Yeah. Um, I came to a different conclusion mm-hmm. than the character mm-hmm. of where life is and yeah. where we find joy and peace and happiness. Yeah. But it, I very much, it was very impactful as like I saw myself on the road and yeah. I still kind of, walked the same road that the character did even yeah. after I had read it, even though it was kind of like a a warning in some mm-hmm. ways. But mm-hmm. that's probably the most impactful. Yeah. I so two things popped in my mind. One is not written but the from the oral tradition. I, I think that the stories that my dad told about his dad were tremendously impactful to me growing up. I didn't I didn't know my grandfather, grandfather Norman but I heard stories about him 
throughout my growing up and those stories about he was a pastor and um, about some were just funny and, and hilarious. There were stories of um, challenges and God's faithfulness. But I think that hearing about someone that I'd never met but had also impacted my dad so much and someone that through story I admired and looked up to gave me something to sort of shoot for as a young boy growing mm-hmm. up and something like I want to I want to be that sort of man mm-hmm. and then the other one I would say and anyone that knows me will roll their eyes but uh, but honestly Lord of the Rings has been one of the most impactful as a collective or is there a particular book even though they weren't supposed to be parsed out yeah I was gonna say as a collective it is it's one story so I'm, I'm gonna take it a true a fan doesn't separate them out exactly uh, and, and partly just because I've read them so many times, but I I do think the the, the journey motif, which is um, you know, common in in literature, uh, there's the book Hero with a Thousand Faces, and the, the that sort of story arc of of leaving home and going on a journey, and the the wise sage that mentors. But there's so many elements in Tolkien's book that. I think that challenge that allow you to step into something and allow you to reflect back exactly what you're talking about on your own experiences. I think there's characters again, that are aspirational characters that you look at and say, that's the sort of person that I, that I want to be even going back to some, let's get deep nerd here, but even going back to the Silmarillion and his creation narrative. And again, I'll just take this as a genre, but even the way that he, 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 he paints the picture of creation and God's sovereignty and uses music to, to talk about and the, the themes that God puts forth in which we participate in that theme and how God weaves sin into a new theme which is stronger and more glorious and more beautiful than what has come before. And um, I'm not going to do it justice. You should just go read the first 10 pages of the Silmarillion because it's brilliant and beautiful. It's some of the most beautiful writing ever. But, but I mean, that's impacted me. I think that mm-hmm. has impacted my, um, my theology and just my, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think in ways that I probably not, I'm not even aware of, I've been impacted mm-hmm. by those books. Yeah. Cool. I think the idea of longing to longing for our true home, longing mm-hmm. for the kingdom mm-hmm. is something that I think really good stories also evoke that sort of, and you, like your your book, there's this longing for mm-hmm. things to be um, the way that they should be, not the way that they are, yeah. mm-hmm. which is related to hope that you've been talking about. And the same way that your book paints that and sort of draws the reader into that sort of longing, I think mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings for me was was one of those books that in I- evoked like, man, what 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 could be? Yeah. Um, so who's your favorite author to read? Oof, that's hard. Oh. Well, mm, do you mean on like an individual basis or like as a collection, their works have been like kind of universally, I love them all. Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. I would say as a collective, Mm. you can answer both, but. Okay. Well, we've already talked about Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. And so I'm going to deliberately leave them out because we know that I adore them. Um, some an author that I have been more recently completely besotted with uh, has been Garth Nix, uh, the Sabriel books, the um, Old Kingdom books. Uh, I read them 
maybe two years ago, or I, I started reading them two years, I think it was two years ago. And um, he's actually released at least one new book in that series in, in that time. Maybe two of them came out, probably just one. Anyway, um, I love the world that he built in those books. Uh, and granted, I've only read that series and that world of his. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know how, um, if, if his others would be as lovely to me, but, uh, just a really compelling world that he, um, built and really compelling characters. He did, uh, what I have never experienced in older young adult lit before and made, um, made a dog, uh, an animal character, um, as like meaningful and, um, emotionally resonant as a person. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you see that a lot in middle grade and younger lit, but, but for the older readers that doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is is something I would like to try and help remedy in the future because animals are just as important to older people as they are to younger ones. Um, I feel like it'd be super hard to write an animal. I I know. Even something like a dragon, which we see yep. a lot, I think it would be hard mm-hmm. to, because, yeah. I don't know, just jumping into the mind of an animal I just agree. seems yeah. really difficult. Yeah, and he did it fabulously, he does a great I job. will yeah. say. He also has a cat character. He does. Who is also brilliant. Brilliant. He, he really does a good yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll say Garth Nix. He's a good one. What about you, Dan? Hutch. What am I supposed to call you on this? Hutch is great. Yeah. Um, why I also read the Garth Nix books and they, they were, um, yeah, enchanting. I really, really liked them, but I, I would say Brandon Sanderson. I've, I've been loving Brandon Sanderson and that allows me to tie into wheel of time because he finished it. Yeah. So I can still sort of lump wheel of time in there. Yeah. But, but no, I've loved his, his world building. I loved his magic systems and I, I like his characters. I think there's, there's good, characters with real flaws that grow and um develop and so i i I appreciate his his writing yeah Yeah, i'm i haven't read anything i haven't read anything of his that i don't like yeah um i haven't read as much of him as you have but you kind of got me on the sanderson train but since i you've already taken sanderson I'll go with Orson Scott Card. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy his writing. And even some of the books that I've enjoyed that weren't my favorite, there's still so much in them that I'm like, can really sink my teeth into. So I've I've enjoyed his. And he he doesn't stick to one genre either. That's true. And so that's like, I mean, it all kind of like revolves around the sci-fi. Yeah. But, um, uh, the most recent book that I read of his was Empire, which there's a second nice. one to that. That one has like blown my mind because it's kind of 1984-ish in the sense that like 50% of 1984 has come true now. Yeah, right. And it's like an empire. It's like, wow, like the whole beginning of this book has like almost come true, Yeah, um, which is crazy. He wrote it in huh. 2008 or nine. That's I can't wild. remember, but yeah. it's like, very present day uh-huh. like what's happening and i'm like oh okay yeah it's kind of scary is. but it's also fascinating uh-huh. of how you could even imagine yep. something that would actually come into reality yeah but totally anyway I rabbit trail the, 
I found this is also a rabbit trail, but I found an Orson Scott card book at the thrift store one time that looked I bought it. It looked like a romance novel, like a fairy tale romance novel it had like a pink cover. Uh-huh. So you're talking about how broad his range yeah, is. Never. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to read that. I know. I, I haven't read it, but I'll I'll scan it for you. Okay, thanks. Kind of reminds me of, didn't you pick up the first Outlander book? I picked up the second The second Outlander. one. You did? Yeah. yeah. Like, not realizing like, that it was a... That's right. It was the only book that I've ever... I went into uh, Barnes & Noble, uh-huh. and I thought, I've always bought books that people have recommended to me yeah. or that like I've heard that other people liked and stuff. And I just want to buy a book yeah. to buy a book. And so I picked that one. <laughs> and um, Did you start reading it? I read about five pages. <laughs> and then I realized this is the second book. <laughs> That's so funny. And that was That's about really funny. six years ago. Yeah. Five so or funny. six years ago. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So did you write any characters that were inspired by real life people? Real people. No, I've never done that before. Um, I, I'm i sure that people I know have influenced mm-hmm. characters inadvertently. I will say, though, that when I was doing edits uh, with my agent, uh, after my dad died, I decided that I would like to work more of him into uh, the kind of father figure character. And so um, I, I did that a little bit deliberately, but there's a lot of him that already existed that I couldn't change and wouldn't change. Right. Um, and I didn't want to make a caricature. So um, I've toyed with the idea of of doing that. Um, but I, I I feel like that would be, to me, that would be harder because then you're like trying to stay on track with someone who exists rather than letting this character just be who they are, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it toes the line a little closer to allegory. Yeah, that's true. We know how you feel about that. Exactly. (laughs) I try to stay as far away from reality as I can. Well, why don't you tell us again when Ignite the Sun is coming out? Thank you. Uh, August 18th, it will be available to buy. You can pre-order it now anywhere the books are sold. Uh, but it's um, it will if you pre-order it, I think it will arrive. I'm not sure how well different sources do with uh, on the day of arrival, but probably pretty well. Uh, on August 18th, if you are interested in attending a digital book launch, because we can't have a physical one right now, um, wah, Magic, wah. I know, it's really sad magic city books in tulsa um which is an awesome indie bookstore they're hosting a uh i think it will be on zoom somehow i'll have more information about that soon but they're doing a digital launch for me on august 19th which is the day after and um yeah should be should be fun so tune in more details can be found will be found on my social media channels and my website. Yeah, and you're all over that social media, right? So you're on Instagram. Trying to be, yeah. Instagram Instagram is probably my most active mm-hmm. one, um, but I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, my handle is Hannah C. Howard, no H at the end of Hannah, um, but on Facebook, there's an author at the end of that name. Hannah C. Howard author. Exactly. Ah, I see. Exactly. Uh, cool. Yeah, and my website is hannahchoward.com. So continuity, 
Uh, you can find me basically in the same way on all of those places. Yeah. And don't forget to go to Etsy to Ophelia's yeah. Gypsy Caravan, Caravan exactly. to pick up a uh, a mug or yep. some Ignite the Sun swag, swag. Uh, if you want. They make great gifts to just the mugs and stuff. I, I, I like to give those as gifts because they're they're cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, you do good work. Thanks, Jackson. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. You can also, uh, if you pre-order through Magic City, I think those will be signed as well. Just can I pre-ordered, okay. but yeah. can you sign my book? Of course. Yay. <laughs> if you know me personally and you've already arranged or you've already pre-ordered, you can either have a book plate mailed to you that I'll sign or we can arrange some kind of uh, masked situation yeah i think we'll just have to invite you back to the namesake hannah c howard (laughs) recording studio you can put that on your cv now that we have a recording recording studio studio named after me Um, we need like a plaque on the wall that you've signed yeah yeah Yeah. and we we need a copy of your headshot that's signed (laughs) because exactly i'm really excited for the book to come out even though i already (laughs) can read it (laughs) <laughs> um, but I'm I'm excited for it. I um, was super excited for this conversation and it did not disappoint. So thank you so much for giving your time and being away from sweet Edmund hey, for a little bit. Thanks for giving me a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> if you ever need to go record another <laughs> podcast, you can just We're come here sit you. here. <laughs> it's yours. Perfect. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great. You guys are awesome. Well, thanks. I already knew that you thought Dan was awesome. Yeah, that, that you're awesome too, good. Jackson. Um, but Dan, I'm I'm excited where this is going to go. Yeah. No, I think this has opened up, as you know, we like to open up cans of worms on this podcast. And we're going to dig a little bit in the next couple of weeks into story and the biblical story and our stories, how they fit together and why Jesus taught in stories. Might do some stuff on parables. So this is this has yeah. given us a lot of... Um, food for thought and it's just great to have you in the studio great to have these conversations together and so thanks for thanks for being here thanks for having me it's been great well and thanks to you listeners because um well we would do this whether you listened or not honestly (laughs) uh but we're so glad that you do listen um but there are a few things that i would like for you to do besides going and picking up ignite the sun or going to Uh, Ophelia's Gypsy Caravan if you would like us subscribe leave a comment because that's just really helpful for other people to get us out there it's all data driven and all that stuff so the more likes we have the more comments we have it just makes it easier for other people to stumble upon this Um, and we also would always love to know if there's things that you want us to talk about things that you want us to go back and talk more about whatever it is we'd love to get that feedback too yeah Um, I also want to say thank you to Eric Baird for giving us the intro. Thank you to Adam Howard. Yeah, that's his last name. That used to be yours. (laughs) And is now your author name. Yeah. Also known as the Duke of Norfolk. That's where you can find us. The Duke of Norfolk. Yeah, and he just had an album come out, right? He has one that's on the way and was about to drop, but then he decided to work with his uh, label in France. So it's going to be a little bit later. Wee. Oui, oui. Oh, oh, very oh, exciting. Baguette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but thanks, thanks. Yeah. 
thanks uh, for letting us use some of your music. And I guess we will talk at you next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Au revoir. So, I do need to settle a debate. Okay. What does the C stand for in Hannah C. Howard? Who's the debate with? Uh, Steve and <laughs> me and I think Jake. Okay, as long as it's not Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it stands for Christine. Oh, none of us got it right. What did you all think it was? The, I, I can't remember now. Um, I think I said Caroline. I think Jake said Catherine. Okay. And then Steve had some name that was. It definitely had the least amount of odds that it was correct. (laughs) (laughs) Carol. No, it was. Yeah, it was like Chris Anthony. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. No, Christine. Christine. My dad used to.